الجزيرة بودكاست Open the pod bay doors, Hal I'm sorry, Dave I'm afraid I can't do that Man versus Machine A Hollywood tale so well known It's the basis of some of our favorite works of art No 9,000 computer has ever made a mistake or distorted information. Welcome to a future where our true reflection is only revealed once the screen goes. This week in the U.S., that classic theme is on the minds of film and television writers, even if it won't end up on the page. They've put down their pens and picked up picket signs. Members of a major U.S. union, the Writers Guild of America, have been on strike since May 2nd, after contract negotiations with studios and streaming companies broke down. Late night shows and Saturday Night Live are going dark and will air reruns after writers went on strike for the first time in 15 years. One of the points of contention, the role of artificial intelligence in the Hollywood writers' room. We are the first labor union that is having to deal with the problem of AI. And it's just dumb luck that we are the first ones up. I think the choices that we make and the outcomes that we encounter will have impacts on other industries down the road. So is AI a threat to Hollywood's creativity or to its labor? I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. My name is John August. I'm a screenwriter mostly. I wrote Charlie and Chocolate Factory, Big Fish, uh, a few other movies you've seen. I'm on the negotiating committee for the WGA, uh, trying to find a new contract uh, with our employers, the studios. Movies we've seen and loved. So it's such an honor to have you on the podcast. Well, thank you. John is a host of the podcast Script Notes. Normally, it's loaded with tips for people fresh to the screenwriting business. But ever since his union, the Writers Guild of America, went on strike, it's pivoted to talk about the labor struggle that's gripping the industry. We're fighting for our fundamental right to exist and be respected as the people who are the progenitors of every single thing you've ever loved on television and in film. One of the questions I always ask on the picket line is like, what are you not writing today? Uh, Today I am not writing an animated show for Fox. It is a big fantasy show. That experience is shared with all the other showrunner friends I have is that they've walked away from their shows and they'll see where it's at when the strike is over. It's a big responsibility because I think sometimes the studios rely on our authorship, our desire to make something really great to not give us the support we need in terms of other writers, in terms of time, because they know we will kill ourselves to make something great. And so this is a moment where we're saying, you know what, we're stepping back and you're going to have to try to make this without us and see really what it is that we do. Meanwhile, writers are worried that Hollywood might be trying to figure out how to do just that. Writing not with writers, but with AI text generation, like ChatGPT. So, John, on your podcast, you recently had director Ryan Johnson on. Yeah. He's behind the Knives Out franchise for any of our listeners who might be familiar with those movies and their intricate plots. Physical evidence can tell a clear story with a false tongue. Something is afoot with this whole affair. 
You asked ChatGPT to help write a new Knives Out movie set in space. Yeah. What did that look like? So I literally just typed that in as a prompt into ChatGPT. Give me a summary for sort of the Knives Out in space movie. And it was it's sort of what you expect with ChatGPT. Like it, it starts well, it kind of rambles, but like it had the general shape of what you might describe as like a quick summary of like what that movie would be. Mm-hmm. But then we pushed it further to say like, write a scene from this movie about how we're sort of meeting our main character, our detective, and what's going to happen. And it did, it did a credible job. It seemed to have some understanding of like what a screenplay scene is like, you know, interior space station, you know, Benoit Blanc shows up and starts to like investigate this thing. He meets a rival investigator. Mm-hmm. It had some sense of what that was. Some of the, the names it picked were like, sure, they, they felt credible to the franchise. And so like anybody who's playing with ChatGPT, at first it seems like magic. And then you realize that behind the scenes, it's just sort of auto-completing. It's just it's starting from a place and sort of just building out from it. Mm-hmm. So it was a fun little experiment, but also I think a sobering experiment that you know, ChatGPT can't write a good screenplay, but it can write eh, kind of a passable scene. And that's going to have an impact on how we do our jobs. Mm-hmm. A passable scene. Um, what do you mean by starting from something? You know, starting from any sort of thing you feed in. We talk about it with ChatGPT or any of these large language models. You give it some prompt. And so that prompt can be the setting and a character. And it can sort of just generate what these systems do well is just sort of bullshit and they can just sort of like you know keep expanding and expanding on you can prompt them to sort of keep going further mm-hmm. and that's a little bit like the creative process <laughs> but without the experience of of understanding what it is you're really trying to do like how you're really trying to make a story entertaining how you're really trying to connect the dots yeah so the creative process without the creativity which especially for a movie like knives out Credible is not good enough. It's the twist, really, that 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 makes that stick. Mm-hmm. So do you personally feel like your living as a screenwriter is at threat just yet? I don't feel that my individual life as a screenwriter is at threat. I don't feel like, you know, ChatGPT is suddenly tomorrow or these systems are going to write a whole screenplay and someone will go off and film that screenplay. Mm-hmm. But about a year ago, when I first saw early inklings of these systems, some writers came to me and said, like, hey, we're experimenting with, like, what if this system could write a whole script? And so they were showing me the early stuff. And it was bad, but it was bad in the way that a lot of first scripts are bad. You could see there was, there was something kind of there. Mm-hmm. I went to the Writers Guild and said, like, hey, we should be aware of this because it raises all sorts of really troubling questions. Like, who wrote this? Mm-hmm. We're used to all writing having a writer, but if this is just text generated by an algorithm, is there a writer? Is it the people who are typing in the prompts? Who is the writer behind this? So that's when we first realized that in this next negotiation with our studios, our employers, we're going to have to talk about AI systems and what limits and controls we need to be putting on them so we are not necessarily replaced or pushed down in our salaries. Yeah. So it sounds like we might not expect a screenplay made entirely from artificial intelligence anytime in the near future. But as you mentioned, you have been raising AI as an issue to the Writers Guild for a while now, and it's even ended up in the contract negotiations. Do we have you to thank for that? And what are writers asking for? I may have been one of the first people to sort of raise the issue, but I think writers are always kind of cued into technology. It would have come up regardless. I think we're all 
aware that new stuff is always coming down, down the pike. Mm -hmm. And we see text being generated and we think, oh yeah, we also, we generate text. We're writers, we generate text. Uh, it would have come up anyway. I think we had a, a little bit more of a head start um, just because it was on our radar. The WJ board put together a special committee to really study the issue and think about what it is in this contract we need to be taken care of. And for us, it's pretty straightforward. Our proposals that we came up with would limit the studio's ability to use AI to create literary material and source material. Literary material is a term that's already defined in our contract. It's all the stuff that I'm hired to write. So screenplays, teleplays, outlines, treatments, the things that we have good set rates for what it is that we are creating. Mm -hmm. Source material is what it sounds like. It's the things that stuff is based on. So a Stephen King book, another movie. Uh, we want to make sure that if AI is generating text for something, it's not used as the basis for the stuff we have to then rewrite. Mm -hmm. We also talk about the Nora Ephron problem, which is that you could feed all of the great screenplays written by Nora Ephron into a system and generate something that sounds like a Nora Ephron script. That's problematic. And Nora Ephron, for our international audience, is uh, the great late screenwriter and writer who wrote classic romantic comedies, some of my favorites. Mm, agreed. Like You've Got Mail, When Harry Met Sally. I turn on my computer. I go online. Welcome. Welcome. And my breath catches in my chest until I hear three little words. You've got, got mail. mail. So say you feed the AI all of her scripts. Yeah. It's training the AI to write like her or to produce work like hers? To, to sort of mimic her voice. Okay. To make choices that might be similar to the choices that she would make. Hmm. Again, it's important to remember that these systems are really just stringing together uh, words that fit a pattern, that fit a probability for what the next word would be. And so if this is approximating her voice, maybe you get an approximation of like what a Nora Ephron script about a certain subject would sound like. That's not cool, but you can also imagine that's not cool because writers are hired for our individual voices, our individual experiences. I think one of the things that Hollywood has deserves some credit on is over the last 10, 15 years, we've recognized how important it is to have authentic voices telling stories about their communities, about the things only they could know. Mm -hmm. And so our writers' rooms have become more diverse. AI-generated material is, by definition, the least authentic thing possible. There's not even a human being behind it. And yet it could maybe approximate voices of underrepresented communities. That's not great. We often talk on the Script Notes podcast about the importance of specificity, that you are telling a story that only you could tell. You're creating a scene that is uniquely yours. Other people might have generally similar plot ideas, but it's what you bring to it that is unique and special. And that is what makes something alive on the page. And the concern is that, you know, if you are using material that's generated by AIs, you're really just looking for like the mediocre middle of all things. It's statistically the, the safest, most generic version of what experience could be. Because if you think about it, like the AI is not thinking, it has no experience outside of anything, just a bunch of words it's stringing together. Yeah. So the other issue at stake appears to be who would get credit for the writing work. Mm. So say you take that AI-generated Knives Out episode in space. Yeah. You take that script and you bring in a human writer to punch it up, give it some of that lived experience we're talking about. Exactly. What's the concern there? 
So one of the amazing things about the Writers Guild is over its 90 years of existence, um, it's fought and fought and fought to get more protections and controls for writers. And one of the controls that we have been able to win is control over our credits. And so anytime you see a movie or TV show and it says written by, story by, teleplay by, those credits are determined by the Writers Guild itself. That all gets thrown into question when suddenly this first draft has no writer's name on it. It's just stuff generated by AI. Mm -hmm. So again, in our proposals, we want to make sure that AI-generated material is not considered uh, source material the way a Stephen King book was. It's more like a Wikipedia article. Mm -hmm. like, you wouldn't say, like, this is based on a Wikipedia article. That would be absurd. <laughs> right. Credit Wikipedia. So what's important to understand about credits is that it's not just bragging rights. It's not just so your mom can feel proud of you that you got credit on that movie. Uh, it's It has a real financial implication. For starters, credits are how we decide who gets paid what in residuals for a movie. And so if another writer and I share credit on a movie, that those residuals are split 50-50. But it also is so important for your career, advancing yourself up to the ladder of writing and getting paid more for those initial uh, drafts as well. When I was a brand new writer with no credits, yeah, they would pay me the least they could pay me, which thank goodness in WJ scale is still enough to make a living. More on the money at the heart of these strikes after the break. On the Inside Story podcast this week, the Arab League has reinstated Syria as a member. It comes after 12 years of civil war and a brutal crackdown on Syrian civilians by Bashar al-Assad's forces backed by Russia and Iran. So what does this mean for the people of Syria? And does this move end Assad's regional isolation? Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'm speaking with screenwriter John August about the ongoing television and film writers' strikes happening in the United States. The writers have a list of demands, mostly around wages and compensation for streaming services. The Writers Guild had been trying to establish viewership based on residuals for streaming services. The more views, the more compensation for writers. The Writers Guild of America said writers are facing a, quote, existential crisis, in part because pay and working conditions have deteriorated in recent years due to the rise of streaming services. But John says there is a reason why AI is also on the bargaining table. One of the struggles is that if you look at all of the proposals on the list, the AI ones sort of seem like an outlier because they're not about sort of the crisis that we're facing right now. Mm -hmm. They're sort of about a future crisis. Mm -hmm. And so it's hard to figure out, like, how do you prioritize this one versus that one? A metaphor I've been trying to use is that what streaming has done, what the other choices the studios have made, has created like this forest fire around us. Like the world is on fire and we have to deal with this fire that's happening right now. Mm -hmm. AI feels like an asteroid that's headed towards us. <laughs> and so you have to say like, okay, well, what is the priority? Do we deal with the, the, the fire or deal with the asteroid? And the truth is mm -hmm. we have to deal with them both. And they're both priorities. So according to your union, the Writers Guild, the proposals you all are asking for would mean an additional $429 million a year for more than 11,000 members. And the union says that the studio's offer comes to about $86 million. So there is quite a discrepancy there. Mm -hmm. Union members are also pointing to the amount some of the CEOs you're negotiating with have made. 
There's a clip of comedian Adam Conover on CNN making the rounds online. David Zaslav, the CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery, which is, you know, the parent company of the network I'm talking to you on right now, was paid $250 million last year, a quarter of a billion dollars. These companies are making enormous amounts of money. Their profits are going up. It's ridiculous for them to plead poverty. What do you think when you hear these numbers when it comes to CEO take-home pay? To me, what makes me so frustrated is that these same CEOs who are having these giant uh, salaries are proclaiming poverty when it comes to everyone else. They're, they're laying off employees, they're saying, we have to tighten our belts, and yet they are able to pay themselves these huge, huge salaries. The amount of money that we're asking for in this contract is a CEO salary, is um, a Fox News settlement. Historic settlement in the Dominion voting system's defamation lawsuit against Fox News. The two sides agreed to a $787.5 million settlement. These really aren't huge numbers for these companies. We reached out to the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers. They're the ones across from people like John at the negotiating table. They sent us a general statement. In it, they say AI, quote, is something that requires a lot more discussion, which we've committed to doing, end quote. They also say a writer is defined in the existing agreement as a person, so AI couldn't qualify for writing credit. In the statement, they also dispute some of the amount of compensation they're offering writers. They say the final numbers will amount to more than the union's estimates. Some of the CEOs have also been speaking to the press. Here's what David Zasloff, that CNN executive mentioned earlier, had to say on CNBC. We need great writers. And we need the whole industry to work together. And everybody deserves to be paid fairly. So our, our, our number one focus is, let's try and get this resolved. Can you describe for me what it's been like to be out there striking? Yeah, so the picket line, for people who have not experienced it, is just it's such a bizarre, different experience than what you'd think. So yes, you're marching around in circles in front of these studio <laughs> gates, carrying a picket sign, hopefully with something witty written on it. But in that show of of strength and that show of mass gathering, it's everyone has their own story, their own reason for being there. This whole town and this industry is an intensely lonely place. Yeah. And the first place I ever found community in LA was the Writers Guild. And like, that's where I made my adult friends. Like, half And so I love talking to other writers on the line. What I've really been heartened to see is folks who are not members of our guild coming out to support us. So I see electricians and I see directors out on the line. I've talked to them about sort of what their needs are, what their struggles are. And a lot of actors, we always see actors out on the line because they recognize that we have a shared fight here to make sure that we're all protected, mm-hmm. both from the downward pressure on our salaries, but from other things that could be coming down the road in the future. So we're concerned about AI doing some of our job or sort of us having to rewrite terrible scripts. Actors are concerned about their faces, their voices, their their likenesses being fed into a system to create artificial actors. Yeah. And that is a real concern for them. So we all recognize that this is a shared fight that we're in together. Mm-hmm. So finally, John, one of the most compelling tools that writers have been using to protest during this strike are the signs Mm. that they are using along the picket lines. And I want to read you one that's gotten a lot of attention. It's from screenwriter Taylor Santiago Berger about what makes humans better writers than AI. Chat GPT doesn't have childhood trauma. (laughs) It's funny, but it also gets at something that's real, which is 
what do we as viewers want out of our content? Um, so the question is, what do we lose if AI takes on a bigger role in creating the media we consume? What I love about that picket sign is it reflects the reality that so much of what we love about the movies and TV shows we watch is that it feels so specifically lived. As an example, I wrote Big Fish, and Big Fish was based on a novel by Daniel Wallace. Mm -hmm. And I could take all the stuff of Daniel's experience and translate it through myself. I knew what it was like to be living with a father who I knew was going to be dying soon and trying to have those last conversations mm -hmm. and recognizing that I knew my father very well, but we were sort of still strangers and there's always going to be a distance between us. When I see people's response to Big Fish, uh, when I see them in the theater and we have to keep the lights dimmed a little bit longer because they, they can't stop crying, yeah, that is an experience that an AI is never going to have. That's nothing that um, an AI can't understand what it is like to be losing a parent and to have that sort of final breakthrough. These AIs don't feel, and writers, for better and for worse, we feel a lot, and that's sort of how we do our art. And that's The Take. We'll be back on Wednesday. This episode was produced by Nagina Oliai and Sonia Bagat with Khaled Sultan, Amy Walters, Miranda Lynn, Chloe K. Lee, Ashish Malhotra, and me, Malika Bilal. Special thanks to the Script Notes podcast and Drew Marquardt. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Adam Abugad and Munira Al-Dosari are our engagement producers. Alexandra Locke is The Take's executive producer, and Ney Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio.